Greetings and welcome to the NASPO Pulse. This is the podcast where we are monitoring issues in state procurement. We've got our finger on the pulse. I'm your host, Kevin Miner. And I'm Amanda Valdivieso. Amanda, how's it going today? Well, Kevin is going pretty good. Just got done with our customer service webinar for Procurement U. And I have to say, it's been one of those days, honestly, but I'm so excited (laughs) to be here with you. (laughs) It is a Monday on a Thursday. What was the webinar about? Uh, So basically, we are doing customer service in the procurement office, and it's an instructor-led course. We at Procurement U are hosting it about two times a year, so very exciting stuff indeed. We have a great instructor who's teaching it. She is certified, knows her stuff. Ooh. I think you actually interviewed her. Would that in be Lori pre- Brown? Yes. You interviewed her last year, I believe, so she yeah. is wonderful. She has such great information. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to get her back on. this, Lori, if you're out there, if you're listening to us, we're coming back for you. Yes, I think I can make that happen. She loves she loves to do this kind of stuff, so definitely. <laughs> do you know what else is happening this year, Amanda? The 2021 NASPO Ooh. Exchange. So looking forward to that. Yes. So the exchange, very excited. This is actually our special edition episode for our upcoming 2021 NASPO Exchange, right? It's yep. coming up uh, April 13th through the 15th. It's a virtual conference, and I believe the deadline to register is around March 11th. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. The NASPO Exchange is a conference for building relationships among the supplier community and state government, which is the largest consumer of goods and services in the country. It's also a place where learning, networking, and partnering come together to develop business relationships to support public procurement. And to learn more about it, you can visit the 2021exchange.naspoevents.org website to find out more. Sounds like this podcast is the right place to get some info, too. I think it does. And that's why today we are interviewing Bart Lemon. Bart is NASPO Value Point's Director of Supplier Development and Global Initiatives. He plays a crucial role in coordinating with the supplier community, and he's pretty involved with the Exchange Conference as well. So today, we'll be talking to Bart about the Value Point Emerging Markets Initiative, how this initiative benefits state procurement, and how we anticipate continuing the initiative to produce future contract solutions. Email us, podcast at naspo.org. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get them sweet listenings. Let's take the pulse. Bart, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you, sir? Well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me, and congratulations on your great podcast. The thank you. podcast is being very well received by people and i predict it's going to double this next year you're starting your second season so well thank you bar i really appreciate that it, it takes a it takes a village definitely um and, it, and it's a it's a labor of love and we're glad to have you on as as the first um guest of season two so so uh, the honor is both of ours i'll say well thank so, you very much i am i'm very honored actually to be here so uh, thanks again for having me absolutely Bart, you are NASPO Value Point's Director of Supplier Development and Global Initiatives. What exactly does that title mean? Can you walk us through your responsibilities? Yeah, there's three dimensions really to the job. First is the world of uh, supplier support to our Value Point supplier community, of which we have about 400 altogether. We offer them business and marketing tools. We post uh, in a virtual library called the Supplier Toolbox. We've also created uh, several online learning modules available through Supplier Academy. And we've trained about, well, I would say half of our suppliers in in in-person workshops, and I also provide them advice 
uh, through our, the business review meetings that we uh, get involved with. So the first part of my job really is just all about supplier support and supporting our suppliers, uh, value point suppliers that we have. And then secondly, I also oversee our emerging markets initiatives, which really considers ideas uh, offered by the private sector. And I know we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. And then third, I'm involved in international outreach. Uh, as we build relationships mm-hmm. with other procurement organizations around the world, it's, uh, it's quite striking, actually, that governments, whether they be here in the United States or Canada or Europe or elsewhere, there seems to be just a common set of problems that they all have to face when they deal with procurement issues. So uh, we're now networking with many organizations, and we're finding areas where we can collaborate and work together. Uh, really for the good of the uh, the public sector. So that's the three elements of the job, supplier support, emerging markets, and then international outreach. That's wonderful, Bart. It sounds like you're really getting a value point out there, not only just here in the States, but out there in the world as well. So before we talk about the... Um you know, the Emerging Markets Initiative that you briefly mentioned, because I know we definitely want to touch on that. For those of the listeners who may not be familiar, can you describe to us what a value point portfolio is and how it is created? Sure. A value point portfolio represents a contract offering for goods and or services that is available to the state members. And so virtually every portfolio contains the number of suppliers that went through the bidding process. They received an award uh, to offer their goods and services through that portfolio. And we currently have about 60 contract portfolios altogether, which addresses a variety of needs Mm -hmm. uh, involving information technology, for example, public safety, uh, health and human services, uh, office and education related uh, uh, contracts, facilities, maintenance, and that kind of thing. So as the states participate, those portfolios become available to the public sector customers uh, to acquire these goods and services. So that's what a value point for portfolio is. Is there any challenge of portfolio creation? Well, generally, portfolios have come into existence due to a marketplace demand of mm-hmm. our state members. In states, of course, they acquire Uh, similar goods and services to meet their needs. And when the demand is high enough, then it could make sense to have a a nationwide contract. So uh, when you, the, the, the portfolios have come in existence for the most part, because we are combining the buying power of several States on a common uh, good or service basis. Now the original ideas, which then become portfolios, they can really come from different quarters. An individual state or a group of states may suggest a portfolio or the portfolio of value point staff may have a suggestion. So there really are different originating sources for the ideas that ultimately lead to portfolios. And then once the ideas become vetted, then the management board will consider the best course of action and will decide on which ideas actually turn into portfolios. So the way that we actually have established portfolios in the past has worked pretty well. But, you know, we're growing. The cooperative is growing. The needs of our members are growing. And now we're expanding how we actually collect ideas for portfolio development. So in addition to the states, which, of course, will have an ongoing role in what portfolios we come up with, we're, uh, we're now entertaining ideas really from the private sector uh, through that program called the Emerging Markets Initiative. So it's really uh, the initiative really is all about how to get more ideas from the private sector right. of things that they may be working on. 
Right. Expanding uh, technologies, that pool of thought, right? Expanding the pool of thought, right? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So what exactly is Value Point's Emerging Markets Initiative? Well, in a nutshell, the Emerging Markets Initiative is a birthplace of private sector ideas that may potentially benefit the public sector. So last year, we actually launched this initiative and we asked uh, both uh, current suppliers uh, and non-value point suppliers for their ideas. We asked them to provide us with an outline of the benefits of uh, what they're proposing. We requested them to submit any market data that they had. And we also asked them to identify any current public contracts that may exist, which would kind of give us an idea of how these contracts were really structured. So we then focused in on how the idea would be applicable to state governments. You know, that's, of course, a pretty important uh, item. Yeah. Uh, we tried to quantify the size of the market. Hey, how big of a market really is yeah. this? And then we attempted to determine the level of resources needed to stand up the contract because all these portfolios take a lot of management time <laughs> and yeah. support by, by many quarters to, to make them work. Yeah, And then once we narrowed the ideas down, then we uh, went even further and we issued uh, request for information uh, documents where we polled that industry to try to get uh, really a better, more acute understanding of how that business really worked uh, on a ground level, if you will. And then uh, once we got that information, then we polled the states to gauge their interest. Um, and then that's, we, we sort of brought all that information together. And then uh, now we're in a position to actually pursue a couple of those portfolio ideas. So that was the Emerging Markets Initiative. That's how it all flowed together. So it's almost like understanding what the states need before they even need it or as they need it? Well, that's one way to look at it. I mean, the there's a couple of different ways to look at it. If you just look at technology alone, uh, there are many technology companies that are out there. Of course, technology is is changing <laughs> at such a rapid rate. Right. And you take a look at a lot of our suppliers who actually are working on technology. They're working on different ideas right now that we may benefit from in the future. But we don't know about the idea. It hasn't really come to market yet and that kind of thing. So yeah, that's really one area that we're looking for is uh, for our technology companies to say, hey, what are you working on that could benefit us? You know, how can we in, be in front of the, the game here? How can we get out in front of the uh, of this idea so that we could stand up a contract that could have potential benefits to our members? So that's that's an idea that, that uh, in the world of technology, that's how it would uh, uh, certainly uh, benefit our state members is what is being worked on that we don't know about, that mm -hmm. we should know about so that we can think about it. And then we could perhaps put it into a contract uh, portfolio. So you said IT can you identify any other emerging markets at this time? Can you give me any specifics? Yeah, there's a lot of emerging markets that we're looking at right now. Uh, I'll just give you two, for example, in the world of that involve technology. One is the world of citizen engagement platforms. Okay. You look at every state, you look at all of the political subdivisions, whether it be a city, a county, or a university, or what have you. They all have different and needs. They all have different yes. needs and they all interface with their, their customers a different way. They all have yes. these technology platforms that engage their customers and the businesses that do business in those states. <clears throat> so you take a look at citizen engagement and it's uh, you go onto these platforms and there's 
citizen engagement involves an ecosystem of types of services. There's right. identity management, for example. There's mm -hmm. gateway management. There is collecting payments from somebody mm -hmm. and then being able to store those payments and, and uh, protect the information uh, uh, through uh, so that it does, it's not subject to data breach and all the rest of that kind of stuff. So it's actually a fairly complicated subject when you really think about it. Right. So that's something that we looked at and that we'll probably be pursuing. Another one is the world of it, uh, enterprise content management. How does a enterprise manage their content? Now, all of us who've gone from the office to the home during the pandemic, uh, we don't have access necessarily to walk over to a file cabinet and pull out files anymore. <laughs> so today, enterprise content management is probably more important than it ever has been for an enterprise to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a, a big market in the United States and growing and something that we feel that could really benefit our members as we move forward with it. So those are just a couple of IT related types of ideas that came from the initiative. And, uh, but there's also non IT related uh, sure. ideas too. Yeah. Sure. Of course. That perhaps just involve goods that we didn't really think about it. You know, we've expanded the pool of thought. And now after we've thought about it, hey, this is a good idea. Let's go ahead and launch it into the uh, uh, into the stream of commerce for our states to consider. So, Right. Almost things that are seemingly almost obvious even that, that once yeah. after they're identified, you're like, well I, well, I can't believe we didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of that. There's, you know, you, you look at this and somebody inevitably will say, wow, how, how, we didn't think <laughs> about that one before. That? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we but didn't that's, see that before. That's interesting. That's interesting that, um, you know, that nuance and, and you're talking about just enterprise services. I don't think people really stop to think about when they store their password somewhere or they store their credit card information somewhere that then has to be protected. It has to be stored somewhere and it has to be looked after, right? Yeah. And the other thing too is, uh, you know, there's certain information, for example, that where, where, uh, that could, um, that every public sector has that they don't want to have utilized, uh, in, in, in other places. Right. So, I mean, there's a whole world just around data security, data protection, right. data security, oh, yeah. storing things and all the rest of it. Yes. We live in this data world these days. And this is one of the, the huge issues that we're not just dealing with here in the United States, but they're dealing with this oh. abroad. Yeah. You know, data security is probably one of the hottest issues internationally that every procurement organization is dealing with. Yeah, I keep thinking about a lot of the things that we're hearing, you know, in the news, different companies getting breached, all of their information getting leaked. And for governments or for state governments, that could be detrimental. So, Absolutely. Well, that's why many of them have uh, have hired, you know, CIOs. I mean, that's one of the top of the things on their mm -hmm. list is how to protect the information that they have. And it's not easy because yeah. you've got new technologies and uh, different bad actors out there trying to steal information all the time. So it's an ongoing battle, certainly. Yeah. Well, that's actually a great segue into our, our next question. What we wanted to talk about is how does this initiative benefit state procurement officials? What do you want them to know about this initiative? Well, it, it benefits the state uh, procurement officials because the ideas in the, in the industry information that we receive from the uh, private sector is both informative and it's comprehensive. Uh, in the RFIs, as I mentioned, <clears throat> many of the RFIs that we're 
publishing, the amount of response that we're getting is frankly just overwhelming. We had in just one of them, we had over 32 companies that actually responded to that with uh, oh, information about how that industry works and functions. And if you want to have a really good contract, uh, it has to be very well thought out. One of the biggest challenges that many public solicitations have is not attracting the uh, enough response from the private sector. You know, why doesn't the public sector respond? And it typically, uh, and I can speak from experience because I came from the private sector, it's because the private sector doesn't view that agreement, that RFP, as perhaps addressing industry standard requirements, for example. So the more you really know about the industry and the more you know how it works and functions, at that point in time, then you can really stand up a very well thought out contract and encourage a lot of participation, which is what you want, mm-hmm. because you want to have choice when you're selecting awards and so forth. Uh, so from that perspective, it really helps us uh, garner a lot of that information. And should we decide to move forward with any of the emerging markets initiatives, uh, we have the information needed to stand up a good contract. So we'll also lend resources for contract development, of course. That's one of the things that ValuePoint does. Right. And we also know that the CPOs, their time is very valuable. And uh, this initiative really is meant to acquire ideas to help them solve challenges. Yeah. I mean, every CPO that we works with, I don't know how they do it. They're just fantastic people, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't do their job. And mm-hmm. uh, what they do is just unbelievable. But they're really good at juggling a lot of things. Where do you see it, Bart, going? Um, how do you anticipate continuing onward in the future um, as you keep going with different contract solutions? How do you see it evolving? Well, you know, we're living in a changing world, of course. The needs are yeah. changing. Uh, like I mentioned, I mean, the only thing we can really count on, frankly, is change. And our primary mission as a cooperative is to provide value to our members. That's really what we're we're here to do. So I see the emerging market initiatives growing, not just here in the United States, but around the world. Uh, we do speak to many other procurement organizations. Uh, they think this is a great way to actually gather ideas and mm-hmm. to be ahead of the curve to some extent. And it really produces a, a synergy between the public and the private That's sectors. That's really the idea behind it. Yes. It's to bring the two energy forces together and produce something positive. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a question. You have, you are unique. Well, you're, you're unique in many ways, Bart, but you're unique in that you have, um, you have experience in, in both public and private. What is so unique about bridging this relationship between between private and public entities? What is unique about it? Well, there are two different worlds out there. I mean, when you're in the public uh, contracting world, of course, you're concerned about standing up good contracts to be used by your constituents and so forth. Uh, but it's a different world than it is in the private sector. In the private sector, you're interested in producing technology, selling things, uh, whether it be goods or technology for that matter. Mm-hmm. But you, there's a different mindset altogether. Uh, you're just concerned about growing your business. You have to uh, operate in with uh, profit and expenses in mind and all the rest of that. So this initiative really, I think, sort of brings those two worlds together. Mm-hmm. And it brings them together in such a way to where uh, we can uh, see what our needs are. We can get some ideas from the private sector as far as what they're willing to offer in the way of ways that we can uh, solve uh, certain problems in the future uh, that we're, we're going to be facing. So I think it's just taking a proactive look 
into the future, frankly, uh, that if we can think about the future in a certain way and then contemplate what is being worked on, is there a way for us to integrate that into the framework of a public contract? And uh, some ideas, uh, like I said, will, will work its way through the system and others won't. But at least it's trying to be proactive in the world of contract development, as opposed to always being reactive about things. So I, I overall, it's a, it's a good initiative. And, you know, we've learned a lot. Certainly, I can tell you that much uh, yeah. because the suppliers have been very willing to engage us and, That's great. and give us information. And, and the level of detail that we have now about how those industries work uh, yeah. give us a framework to make a good decision. That's wonderful. Excellent. So how, so how can the state procurement officials, is there anything they can do to help you with this initiative? Anything they can do to reach out and be a part of it? Well, I think there's three things they can do, really. Yeah. Number, number one, they, they can always just offer their own ideas. You know, are there any emerging markets that they would like us to pursue and look into? You know, mm-hmm. we are, in part, as you know, a research organization at NASBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do like to research yeah. things. And uh, do they have anything that has come onto their plate that we should think about? So that'd be number one. Secondly, They should just uh, always be encouraging the suppliers to respond with uh, information as we put out our RFIs. If they're talking to suppliers, just it's a good idea for them just to encourage them to be responsive. And then third, uh, once we've actually identified the emerging market uh, idea and the concept and gathered information, just to consider carefully the ideas and how it really meets their needs. So uh, I think that's really what they can do. But, you know, our, our CPOs are, are great. I mean, they are just very actively involved in giving their opinions at all times. And um, we really do respect uh, them fully for all the work and effort mm-hmm. that they do. And I think yeah. it's the one profession, honestly, that doesn't get enough credit. And uh, there are so many, uh, so much of the public sector is so benefited by the great work of our chief procurement officials and their staffs. Sure. And frankly, it's uh, it's the unsung hero group as far as I'm concerned. So I, I take my hat off to all of them, really. Do you see this information and this engagement, do you see that as something that is is helpful in kind of elevating the profession of public procurement? And how so? That's one of our main goals, of course, is to elevate the the sure. public procurement profession. And uh, I think what's happened over time uh, since the announcement uh, started actually back in 1947, that year by year, the profession has been elevated, uh, primarily just because of the, of the good faith effort and the hard work of all of its members. And NASPO has issued several books now. They're up to their third edition on the procurement, uh, the practical guide, which uh, is an yep. outstanding work. Yep. I don't think there's a better book, frankly, in the marketplace today, if I could just put a plug in for it. It is an outstanding work of uh, a collection of uh, best practices and diving into how that world of procurement really works and functions. So uh, I'm just a big fan. I'm a big fan of NASPO, a big fan of their members, uh, the quality of work that they do. And hopefully this initiative, as we continue to gain deeper understanding about how the private sector really works and functions, in areas that could help us will continue to help the profession uh, upgrade itself. So 
when you are lifting the profession, it's something that you, it's a lift that never ends. You're always yes. lifting it, right? <laughs> yes. So there, there's never just a final goal that you reach. You're always trying to strive to be better. And hopefully yeah. this will be yeah. one of those things that can help them be better. Bart, all that to say that Exchange 2021 is approaching. For those that do not know, Exchange is a very unique meeting between our membership, state procurement officials, value point staff, and suppliers uh, from, from both private and public sector. And they actually get to meet and discuss for several minutes their initiatives, their ideas, and, and they get to talk about how to do better to do business with each other. This year, it's a little different because it's virtual. So that being said, Bart, what is some advice you would give to potential exchange attendees? Well, first of all, before I get into that, I, I just have to compliment our own conference and events team. I mean, I have been to virtual conferences before, and I know it's something that a lot of people are struggling with right now, just in terms of the mechanics. Yeah. But our conference and events team has done a fantastic job in yes, terms absolutely. of uh, putting it together, uh, the software, the level of thought that they put together. I've never seen anything, any virtual exchange or any virtual conference quite like uh, the type that our conference and events team is putting together. So yes. just the quality of conference itself is is really top rated. But we're all about bottom, shameless NASPA plugs here. So there you go. More than there there. Absolutely. But uh, if you're interested in selling to the government marketplace, there really is no conference like the NASPA Exchange Conference. It's the center of action. It's a place uh, where uh, of opportunities where suppliers really do produce results. So my advice is simple. Don't wait. Sign up, get your spot before all the seats are gone. It's going to be sold out. And it's it really is a very good moment to make an investment in your future by attending the NASPO Exchange Conference. You will not be disappointed. You will learn things that you never knew before. You will meet people that you haven't met before. And all in all, by and large, this is just a fantastic venue. There's an expression in sales that sales is a contact sport. Mm -hmm. This is where you make contact. And I highly suggest that everybody attends the NASPO Exchange, and that's both for current value point suppliers and non-suppliers. So there'll be a lot of great content there. And uh, I would just hope to see you there. And you'll be able to talk to Bart. <laughs> yeah, that's better. great. Bart will be there. <laughs> Yes. I will be there. Thank you, Bart, for taking this time with us today to discuss the Emerging Market Initiatives. I think everyone has learned quite a bit about it. Thanks, well, Bart. Thank, thank you, and best of luck to you uh, both in the future. There you have it, folks. Sign up and don't wait. From NASPO Value Points, Director of Supplier Development and Global Initiatives himself. I like how he said that sales is, is a contact sport. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I just mean... Um, it's like uh, like where he says you make meaningful contacts. I don't know, it's a good metaphor. Uh, or is it an analogy? It's a metaphor, right? It's a metaphor. They don't use the word like, so yeah, it's a metaphor. Is it? <laughs> it is. Oh, man. Oh. All right. <laughs> a reminder, if you are interested in attending the 2021 NASPO Exchange, the deadline to register is March 11th. And you can do that by going to 2021exchange.naspoevents.org to find out more. Got questions, comments? We would love to hear from you. 
email us podcast at naspopulse.org. And make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or anywhere else you can get podcasts from. Make sure to check out NASPO blog, pulse.naspo.org, and catch up on some procurement articles written by your very own NASPO staff. That's it for us today. So stay tuned and keep your dial tuned in with NASPO Pulse. I like it. Yeah.